I want to talk about change and I want to talk about conflict. At the beginning of the school year, we all are feeling that changes are coming. We're transitioning from the summer and as we walk around the building, everybody's hugging and hearing the news about what happened over the summer. Somebody got engaged, somebody's having a baby, one of your friends is bought a house and you look around the building and you see changes, maybe construction over the summer and there's new people on the job and some people have left, surprise announcements. So the changes that are happening from year to year, they're cyclical and they're good and you can almost predict them. How many of you have not slept the night before you have to return back to work? This happens to me every single year, even if I teach summer school. So those changes are changes that are sort of predictable, even though you may not know what you're walking into. And after that initial staff meeting, that long day where you're hearing about rules and policies, and maybe you'll have a good speaker, and your principal, if you're lucky, will buy you lunch. All of that is just the precursor to meeting your new group. So you meet your new group and you're all enthusiastic and fresh from the summer and ready to conquer the world as a teacher. And we view everybody as wonderful and good, as we should. We should as teachers. And then all of a sudden, as September wanes and the weather starts to change, there's a change in the weather in the classroom. We start to see the honeymoon period is over and some of the students are rebelling and they're rambunctious and they're not bringing in their homework and maybe they're getting into spats with each other already or most likely getting into spats with you, refusing to do things, maybe not following rules or taking the pass for too long. And so we start to feel that sense of change and that there's tension a-brewing. And so I want to think about conflict and how conflict is part of the cycle of teaching. It's part of the cycle of living, of course, but how conflict is something that we can look at as a continuum. And I'm going to be doing a talk on anatomy of a conflict, and I've done some deeper work in restorative groups. But for the classroom, I think everything starts with the teacher. And I always say, let it begin with me, a phrase that I've taken from one of the 12-step groups called Al-Anon. And if I look at my own feelings about conflict, and I'm honest about my conflict style, it's a really good education, and it's a really good place to start. So think about this for a minute, and I relate so much to this, so I'm not just asking you to do it. What is your conflict style? Is your conflict style to meet it head on? Meet it head on with reaction and Uh, coming on strong, uh, presenting 
a, a position with confidence, maybe even going to the extreme where you're, you know you're right and you know your views are very strong? Or is it more in the middle of that mood meter where your conflict style is to be assertive and to be honest but persistent? Or does your conflict style swing to the other direction where you see a conflict coming on and you're shrinking from it? Perhaps you're a person who delegates it out. You farm out the conflict, let somebody else solve this, especially if you have people you supervise. Oh, go to Sally for that. Or you just plain avoid it, which is the other extreme. And perhaps you're different in every aspect of your life. Perhaps in a personal situation, you might be different than in a professional situation. I've heard this in a a meeting that I facilitated where somebody said, at home, I'm a shrinking violet. I grew up with a lot of siblings and I'd rather keep my mouth shut because I learned not to open my mouth or I'd get beaten up. But at work, I'm very aggressive. So I heard this in a meeting and I thought about it. Are we different in different ways? And when it comes to the classroom, if I'm head on with conflict, what does this mean? And when it comes to the school environment, if I meet conflict head on, what does this mean? How do people perceive me? If I'm safe in my particular school because I have tenure or something, it still doesn't make me safe in every situation. It just means that I'm safe in this particular school. But Am I navigating conflict in a way that's helpful? If I avoid conflict and I run from it, what lessons am I teaching my students? If I'm the type of person who even denies that there's conflict going on, what kind of a teacher am I in that situation? And don't laugh, but I've seen this, uh, where teachers just pretend that a conflict doesn't exist and... They may farm it out to somebody else. They may just act like it's not happening. And I'm guilty of that too. And I think the main part of this exercise is to think about whether the way I solve conflict is helpful or whether I solve conflict in a way that's not helpful. And whether I'm a good role model for students because I think the highest level that we can get in this exercise is to think about how I can model for my students how to navigate conflict, and I can teach them how to resolve their own conflicts, the ones that can be resolved. Now let's talk about why there's a need for conflict. So I think about People have different perspectives, and they take their different perspectives to wherever they go. We talk about cultural competency, and we talk about life experience, and we talk about maturity, and we talk about different stages that students go through. And they come into the situation with their perception. They also come into the situation emotional. Maybe they're emotional from an experience that happened outside of the classroom. Maybe they're just hungry. Maybe they're just reacting to something that happened. 
a few minutes ago, or maybe they feel less than. So they're bringing all these things into the classroom. And part of my job as a teacher is to not just speak about this, but to give them tools on how to solve their own conflicts. So there's many ways I can do this, but first I have to get to the bottom line of what I'm trying to do and why conflict is okay. One of the things about conflict is that people always have conflict because we have different points of view. So embracing conflict means teaching students that they can agree to disagree, that they can learn how to speak to one another, how to respect one another, and also learn how to negotiate. Sometimes solving a conflict doesn't even mean negotiating. It means just listening to the other person and hearing their point of view. Maybe you'll never come to a conclusion. I want to paint the room red. You want to paint the room blue. Nothing gets resolved. And so the room doesn't get painted. Now, that's not the greatest solution, but it also isn't going to lead to an argument. We just agree that there's not going to be a solution. This is rare. Usually there is a solution because people want to accomplish something. And usually conflict results in negotiation. But the first step is to embrace conflict and to understand that conflict is just part of life. There's conflict externally and there's conflict internally. But a world without conflict is unrealistic. And when we think about conflict in some of the things that uh, it capture our attention, like literature or a play or a movie or a TV show, we're, we're really interested in how other people resolve conflict. And that's why we're watching that show. We're watching that drama to see how our favorite hero resolves the conflict or how the story will end. So there's some lessons to be learned from conflict. What can we learn from conflict in the classroom? First of all, we can learn to teach our students better social skills. We can do the restorative justice, part of the social-emotional learning piece, which is to have students make restitution when there's harm done, to build community in the classroom. That's part of it. But in general, just in the smallest uh, micro, microscopic view of conflict, the little things that happen don't have to turn into big things in the classroom. If we learn to resolve conflict and teach students how to resolve conflict without growing the conflict into bigger issues. And as I said before, the first step is to acknowledge the conflict to acknowledge that we all have different perspectives, that may, we all may want something at the same time, but we all can't have it at the same time. I'll give you a small, funny example. Have you ever seen, and this happens outside the classroom too, this even happens in staff meeting. You're not a teacher who assigns seats, but there are kids, they gravitate toward the same seat. It's their seat and they're sitting there. They'll get there early just to sit in their seat. So someday there's a sub who comes into your class and you hear that there's a fight in your class and you understand why. 
because somebody took somebody else's seat. And that made the person very uncomfortable. And there was a conflict because it was their seat. So that's a very small example. Now, why did such a small guppy turn into a whale? Because we're all creatures of habit. We all feel comfortable. So the student was in their comfort zone and they went to their seat and somebody took their seat. And that's the beginning of a conflict. It may, may have been done to provoke the student. It may have been done innocently. But these are the things that students can learn to understand one another and negotiate through. If student B understands why student A is uncomfortable with sitting in their seat and they learn to develop empathy for that student and there's sort of a compromise, then that conflict can be easily resolved. Or the teacher can simply assert themselves. The students are not going to learn that much if the teacher asserts themselves. They're not going to learn to navigate through conflict. But sometimes we just want to do that to get moving on to the next thing, moving on to the next part of the lesson. We don't want that conflict. So we're like, okay, that was the seat. Get out of it. Okay. But there's something to be learned from that little tiny scenario that students have to learn to understand one another. Now, is it right? Is it wrong? There's no right or wrong in this situation. It's not a life or death situation. But to that student, it is a feeling of being thrown off. So part of the navigating or helping students to navigate conflict is to look at our own feelings about conflict and to look at whether we want to promote students' ability to talk through conflict or whether we just want to solve the problem immediately. So I was in a discussion with a graduate student yesterday and I learned a great deal because they taught in a school where students, that's part of the program where students resolve their own conflicts. And I really like that because A, it's restorative, but B, it teaches somebody a skill for life. If they're able to resolve, negotiate, or listen well to, or figure out a solution where both people are happy, that's a social skill that will not only increase their academics, but it will help them navigate once they graduate school to the next level. If they're going from elementary school to middle school, or middle school to high school, or high school to college, college to grad school, and out into the world of career, it helps give our students the tools to get along, not only in school, but on the subway, on the bus, in the grocery store, to not get into fights with other people, to be articulate citizens who know how to regulate their emotions and speak through the the part that's very uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable to navigate through, through conflict. But at the other side of the rainbow, sometimes we get a feeling of, I did it. And sometimes we get a feeling of that conflict was solved beautifully. Now on to the next. So the anatomy of a conflict in a classroom is that it's there and we have to recognize it and find the tools to help students navigate through it. And when students get into a conflict with us, how do we navigate that conflict? There are times that we will call on a supervisor, we will call on a dean, we will call on a, a counselor, but 
if we can learn to not delegate it out for the most part and follow through, it really is more helpful because students will see what we're doing and they will learn from us. Again, there's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in bringing in a third party. Sometimes we need to do that depending on how severe the situation is. But if the situation is something that can be resolved and we can teach students to agree to disagree, that can really translate into the academics. Students will learn to talk about political views. They'll learn to talk about academic uh, topics, debate, uh, speak their mind, be able to support what they're talking about, articulate their emotions in a positive way, ask for what they need. These are all fantastic social skills that we can teach students. So I really believe that these are skills that translate not just for career, but in the personal life. And these are beautiful skills that we can work on with our students. And we can also have these values that permeate our classroom even past October. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope to speak more on this topic of conflict.